Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Backerkit and The Gadget Flow. Backerkit makes software that crowdfunding project creators use to survey backers, organize data, and manage orders for fulfillment by automating your operations and helping you print and ship faster. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today I am joined by the one and only Adrian Solgard. Adrian, thank you again for being on our show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. All right. So we first recorded our only live episode at CES back in January of this year, episode 173 for all of our listeners. You have now launched your third successful Kickstarter campaign. We've worked with you on all three of these. Right now, you've launched the Life Pack Hustle. So let's talk about how you've gone about running a company now in terms of launching your third campaign and managing all of these things together? Because now you've truly built a brand around all of these products. Well, it's um, the last, the first campaign that I launched, I put my other business on hold, which was a marketing agency. I put all my duties on that on hold while I focused 100% on running the campaign for Interlock. And then I did the same thing with launching the last Lifepack. And now I'm actually running an active business of Lifepack while launching the campaign which the math should be easy to do. Okay, if I normally work 12 hours a day and then I add a Kickstarter campaign, which is another 12 hours of work a day, where do I sleep? And <laughs> it's been, been a bit of a challenge, but it's, uh, it's, it's still, we're off to, to a good start. We've got, we're about halfway through. We are $220,000 now. And uh, yeah, I'm pleased, pleased with the results. Um, it's been a different campaign than the last one was. We've done, uh, we, we've launched this Hustle Collection. It's actually it's an innovation or it's an evolution of a product rather than a straight up invention, which has been different from a PR perspective than what I expected. With the last bag, we launched Lifepack, which was a solar powered anti-theft bag. It had a built-in lock. It had a built-in solar panel, Bluetooth speakers, power bank. And now what we've done is launched a simpler version of that product effectively at a more affordable price point, which has actually been and don't get me wrong, raising 220K in a couple of weeks is great. But it's a different level of excitement and passion than we saw in the first one because it's not, it's not everything brand new. It's an evolutionary step from the other product. So the, uh, the energy level, the excitement level around the campaign has been a little bit different. It's been a little bit more transactional from the people rather than this super early bird onboarding phase, which Kickstarter campaigns have been like for me in the past. Right, right. So, so how else has you know managing this project been different from the other two projects or the the last backpack uh, in particular? This one, it's just been again another evolution of running a company now and having a bigger team rather than doing everything myself. It's been you know delegating tasks and figuring things out there, which is 
always a different experience. And depending on where you fall on the spectrum of CEO or COO or wild, crazy inventor, which I fall further in that category, it's uh, delegating tasks is always an interesting thing to learn. <laughs> Indeed, something I always struggle with with my team. Um, you know, so let's talk about the, the process now. I mean, now that you have a lot of these foundationary elements in place, what's the process for creating these new innovations or evolution of the company or the bag? How has it been different from the first one to now? Uh, well, what's different from the first one to now is that this product is completely production ready. We have the supply chain set up. We have everything ready to go. I have complete confidence in everything uh, in terms of the delivery time schedule and all of that. Whereas the last one was a bit more of uh, crossing our fingers and hoping for, for the time scale that we had planned and, and having a bit, adding in a lot of time for buffer just because I knew that we would need it. Uh, whereas this one, everything is, uh, I've got, got the team around now and as we've been developing new products in the company it's like okay it's a new product that we have ready to go we just haven't placed the order yet so that's that's been different on that side rather than oh i hope that we get enough money that we can then actually make this product we knew that we would we knew that we would hit the numbers and we knew that we would uh go so it's 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 just an entirely different uh different experience and i guess yeah i i'm actually curious to ask you you're you're the one always asking the questions i think you've seen so many Kickstarter campaigns going from across the spectrum on this side. What has it been like for you when you see repeat, repeat campaigns compared to straight up fresh campaigns? And how, how do you see that as something different or something new to learn for the, for the listeners of the show? Yeah, I mean, it's always something interesting. I think, you know, once you get the community's trust and you deliver the first product, the second product on time as advertised or better... You, you continue to win their trust over. So I'd be really interested to hear back from you in terms of what percentage do you feel or have the numbers in front of you of repeat backers from your previous campaigns into this one? Any idea there? I don't have hard numbers on there, but I know that there's a significant amount because I know that there's a lot. We're sitting at 1,600 backers now, uh, and we've got some time left to go on the campaign still. The last campaign closed at 3,700 backers on Kickstarter alone. I think that I think we're getting a lot of people that, that have come back, but then at the same time, it's another backpack. It's another bag product. It's like, well, I just got a bag from you last year, so I kinda, I'm kind of good. Like, I, or I got the last one eight months ago. I, I kind of don't need another bag now, but it's great. So I think that the, the learning for me in that that I would that I would almost that I would like to distill a little bit towards anybody else that's considering launching a second campaign is that as you do these evolutionary steps in your business, I think that Kickstarter is a is a great place to launch completely new, completely fresh things. And we actually had planned to launch something totally different this year, and we, I decided to take the mature and rational business decision of building the brand, building what we already have, rather than focusing on being this complete squirrel chasing ADD kid of going out to whatever's new, whatever's next. And I think that it's, it's just been a, it's, I think I had really high expectations on this product, maybe, maybe too high of expectations, given that we've already sold backpacks to a lot of these people. Probably a lot of them aren't going to buy a backpack from us again right now because they just kind of they just got one. They don't need another one. So I think that would be the, 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 the key takeaway for me is 
look at the look at the Kickstarter marketplace, look at the Kickstarter uh, landscape as what's been out recently, uh, and use that as your guideline of if there's been some heavy 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 hitters in that same category recently, the market might be a bit saturated, so you might see higher success with something different outside of that. No, solid advice, Adrian. Yeah, I mean, we say that a lot with, you know, I guess backpacks, wallets, you know, uh, spin, fidget spinners these days, uh, you know, anything that's <laughs> saturated out there in the category. Sometimes it's difficult to convert those folks to say, oh, I need another one or, oh, uh, I trust that company more than the other one that I just backed and I'm willing to wait, you know, the eight months or a year, whatever, for that product to finally come to fruition. Yeah, because well, well, specifically for us, just before, like we had already committed to doing this campaign, and then, and unfortunately, uh, it's actually the, one of the factories that we were working with in the past launched a bag product that infringes on our patented locking system that went on to raise a, a substantial amount of money, and that that bag, the amount of backers, like they they had something close to ten thousand backers, those would have been customers of ours. But now they've just bought a locking bag, so they kind of don't need another one. So there is this, and they're, they're waiting for a delivery still. Their deliveries are going to happen some months from now. So I think that I learned that the Kickstarter community, the people that are, are willing to back projects on Kickstarter, equates to something like 0.25% of the, the population. So if you take the market size of whatever your, your product is, slim that down to 0.25%. And that's the potential market size of who's going to buy this product. And so there, there is a finite number of, of people that are willing to buy a certain product on the market. So yeah, that's an interesting way. Interesting. How, how did you come about getting to that stat? Uh, so the overall Kickstarter numbers of backers, and I'm trying to remember what it was. And I think that it was there's 4 million people that have backed a Kickstarter project ever, and approximately 1 million of those are in the States. If you take the United States population of 300 or 320 million, extrapolate that by 1 million people, you're looking at a 0.25% of the population is willing to back a project on Kickstarter. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing to think of how young crowdfunding is, and we're dealing with such a small, finite universe of people that have not only have an understanding of crowdfunding, and I know we talked about this the last time, but also have an appreciation for the founders, the story and the product, and will invest into it, give them their hard-earned money and not receive the product for you know six months to a year. So you know, there's only more room if, to grow. If, if at all. If at all. I think that the landscape has changed drastically now based on, based on the fact that there have been so many big Kickstarter projects that have failed that I think that that makes things tricky for people to, to trust and to, to back projects. And that's why for me, um, I'm, I'm doing this ridiculous promise where from, from the moment we hit our Kickstarter goal of $100,000 until everyone gets their product, I'm wearing leopard print jeans. <laughs> I saw that photo of you this morning on my Facebook feed. That was uh, some snazzy stuff right there, buddy. That, that was, uh, so that's not what I'm wearing every day. That's a suit that I wore to, uh, to a, a, a party that we were sponsoring, but every, like my normal everyday outfit, I'm wearing leopard print jeans every single day. <laughs> and it was this bit of a, it's a bit of a promise. And I think that it's, again, since this campaign is not, I think you need to look at when you're launching a Kickstarter project, look at something that's newsworthy. And this product 
The news value of a solar-powered anti-theft backpack has kind of been used up already from our last campaign. And so now it's like, well, we're doing an evolutionary product, like I was saying. And so I've used this as a bit of a news element. And it actually got me on TV in Canada on a nationally aired morning show. And because it's, it's so in fashion, it's so in vogue to be an entrepreneur these days. You can, everyone's claiming to be an entrepreneur when I'm not really sure what they're actually doing, but they're posting pictures of someone else's Lamborghini on Instagram. But really what, what being an entrepreneur is, is it's, it's being committed to your customers and to your product and to your brand more than your, your own personal life. And so that's why I'm doing this. It's a bit of a personal exercise and it's also just a bit of a reality check on, on how, how important an entrepreneur's business is to them and how committed they are to it. You need to live, breathe, bleed, sweat this thing. And so I think it's just really fascinating to be, to, to, to kind of showcase that in a, in a physical way. Absolutely. So talk, talk to us a little bit more about your experience with your backers so far. I know you're, uh, posting daily videos and content for these folks. I mean, how, how has your engagement gone, you know, project after project and now to this one in terms of managing the feedback while also, you know, doing manufacturing and truly running a company now? So it's been, um, it's been trickier for me to stay as engaged with the backers on this one as it was for the last one. I'm still, I've, I've kind of adamantly told the team, I want to manage the public comment section on the Kickstarter page because I just love seeing that stuff and, and it, it all helps feedback into, okay, what are the frequently asked questions? What can we use to morph into the rest of the business and how can we do all of that? But I've had to leave the direct messages uh, to somebody else. I've had to leave all the Facebook comments and all that stuff to somebody else because I just can't manage. I can't be the only funnel, the only connection between backers and the, and the business. So I've got that one element where I, I maintain a close connection to it. And it's, sorry, what was the question again? Learning how to delegate, right? Exactly. And struggling with it. Honestly, that's the biggest, that's the biggest struggle for me is, is, is that. And I think that's a struggle for almost everyone running a business is you can, you can run a business to a certain point doing almost everything yourself. And then if you want to scale up, you need to, you need to start to pass things off to other people. And then there's that. There's that line where if you do it badly, you end up in more trouble than if you just did it yourself. And if you do it well, then you can really go and grow in the right way. But there's that awkward pain point in the middle where you're learning the limits of, of what there is. Always. Yeah, no, it's the, the entrepreneurial issue, you know, growing and can you do it better? But if you teach them how to fish, right, they can uh, potentially fish better, for, better than you, you know, given honing in their practice and skill sets. So let's talk about lessons learned. Now that your three Kickstarter campaigns in, I, I doubt there's more than you know one percent of you out there in terms of the entrepreneurs that have run multiple crowdfunding campaigns. So I'd be interested to learn what your biggest lesson that you've learned thus far is. Don't underestimate the value of a story. People backing projects on Kickstarter are not just in it for the product. They're in it for the story. They're in it for for being up to date with what's going on. And I think that that is the number one most important thing to be engaging with your backer community in. I, I made the first, uh, th this campaign, I, I, we killed ourselves on it. Myself and the designer, uh, Chris, that he's actually been the designer on all three campaigns. We, 
I, I made one version of the video that was like completely story-based and barely touched on any of the product features. I sent it to the rest of the team and they're like, dude, you're not really talking much about the product. You're just kind of like telling the story. And it's like, okay, okay, okay. And I took their feedback for, for scripture kind of and, and went purely product focused. And then the video that we launched the campaign with was really kind of, pro- was, was really kind of detailed and, and, and product focused. And then the result was a really low completion rate on the actual, uh, the campaign views, the video views. We got, we slipped down to like 16% completion rate uh, on people watching the video. I've then modified the, the storyline since to tell a bit more of the story about why we are who we are, what we're doing, why we're doing this. And now the, the product, the video views have slipped, have crept back up to like 22% because we have, you know, thousands of, I don't know, 15 or 30,000, 40,000 views on the old one. So we're competing with the other analytics. But that, that hard data just shows how much more people engage with connecting with you as a founder, you as a, t- a founding team, you as the, the, the brand rather than just the product. Uh, and I think that's something that I knew, but then I kind of forgot it or I underestimated it and, and then came back to it. So I think that's one really big learning. Uh, another one is launch one SKU, one product on a Kickstarter campaign. We, that's what I did on the last one. That's what I did on the first one. And on this one, we thought, oh, let's do the same because when we, when we released new colors on Lifepack Original, our sales just increased like crazy. We went from just a gray bag only to a gray and a black bag option and the sales flew through the roof. So that seemed like, okay, great. People love options. People love choice. So we launched this campaign with a backpack and a shoulder bag, each available, the shoulder bag available in two colors, the backpack available in four colors. So we're dealing with six products. Plus we've got this solar panel power bank thing. So we've got seven products that we're showing. That made building out the campaign, building out the video in a simple way so, 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 it made it seven times the work. So the time that we had allotted for everything just completely went out the window and it became such an unnecessary challenge. So I would urge anyone that's ever planning on launching a campaign, launch one product. And then if you, as stretch goals, unleash extra color versions and stuff like that, great, that's awesome. But don't kill yourself on doing too many options. Uh, I, I knew this before and I thought that doing this would be easy. And it just about killed us. <laughs> it, was, it made it really hard. It makes it really hard to showcase so many different options in a product. Absolutely. And there's just confusion. You know, you give uh, opportunities to, to customers to select and it's analysis paralysis. And, you know, who knows what, what could potentially happen there. I mean, Jeff Bezos, I think, was quoted once saying the ideal website would be one big button that says buy now and, you know, work backwards from that. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, and I might have even said this on the last show perfection is not achieved when there is nothing left to add, but when there is nothing left to remove. And I think that that's the really, really basic, really, really core thing about a Kickstarter campaign is make it as simple as possible. Just make it so all people need to do is say yes. Absolutely. Make it, make it very easy for them, right? So when you launch your fourth Kickstarter campaign, what are you going to do differently? Well, the fourth Kickstarter campaign we're planning on launching in January or February. And I had this conversation earlier today on right over there on the couch with my colleague that I'm looking at. And what we, what we decided to do was instead of having three colorways, we're doing one colorway of this new product. And it's not going to be a bag. It's going to be something else, but it does tie into what we've already done a little bit ish. 
Should I? No, I can't say. No, no, I gotta end it at that. I can't say anything more. <laughs> no secrets. Um, but what are, what am I gonna do differently? Uh, yeah, single single product, single SKU, and tell the story and give ourselves a lot more breathing room uh, in the lead up. Have m- more clearly established roles and defined roles with the team of who's gonna be doing what. Have samples ready out to press before the campaign launches so we can have a stronger start. We, we had, a, had a bit of an issue with our start of the campaign where, yeah, we, we, we had one major mistake on uh, the campaign start, which really slowed down and didn't allow the, the avalanche feeling at the start that I was hoping for. And so making sure that doesn't happen. What I want to do for the next one is have the entire campaign completed, locked, 14 days before everything launches. And then everyone takes a week off, seven days off, no work, take a break, come back with fresh eyes, look at it, do some final tweaks, and then have things ready to launch, rest it. Instead, what we did on this last one was Chris and I, the designer, we killed ourselves in the like five days before the campaign, working till three in the morning every night. And then at launch, which we, we launched it at 6 a.m. West Coast time at 9 a.m. East Coast time, because that's what we had sort of committed to and promised to. We had worked through the night. And so by the time we hit launch, our tanks were empty. We were done. Like we, we tried to be there and like be part of the excitement of the first like four or five hours, but we just couldn't stay awake anymore. So like we went and like got some sleep for a few hours in the middle of the day, came back and it was just really hard to bounce back from. So making sure that the tanks, everyone's tank is full and energized, ready for the start because this thing's a marathon and make sure that you're, you're rested before you start. Absolutely. I like it. That sounds good. I think uh, if, you're, if you're able to do that, then my hat is off to you because I know how difficult it is to not only get these things prepared, but also mentally to be ready for the onslaught of everything that comes into it once launched. Yeah. I think that that's the key is just setting these, these goals and timelines for yourself. And if you know that you're a natural procrastinator, which let's be honest, we all are, then I think the key is set these deadlines early and make those deadlines hard deadlines for yourself. Like, okay, the hard deadline is two weeks before, all 100% locked. That's it. No option. No backup plan. That's what it needs to be. Then you can hit it. But if you let yourself slide on these things, then it's, uh, it's really easy to, to just continue to let things slide. Absolutely. All right, Adrian, this is going to get us into our launch round. You are familiar with the process. I changed up the questions a little bit for you, but just you ready to go? Okay, ready to go. All right. So what is your favorite country? Because I know you're an avid traveler. Oh, I would have to say Spain. If you could have a meal in Spain, what would it be? Uh, does gin and tonic count as a meal? Absolutely. <laughs> Limes count as food, right? Yeah. Oh, but I would have a monkey 47 seasoned with raspberries and a slice of ginger. <laughs> Bartender, please make two. Uh, let's see if you, what would you say your biggest weakness is, Adrian? Oh, time management. Yeah. It's always a, always a good one. Where do you see yourself in five years? Racing around and flying motorcycles and uh, having a really amazing team around me making hugely innovative products that continue to make the future happen sooner. What's the big thing you want to accomplish in your life? Flying motorcycles. Last question, like, and I, last question, and I know I asked you this in January, so I want to know if your, your view has changed in terms of what does the future of crowdfunding look like to you? I think the future of crowdfunding looks like 
it could continue to look like it does, but I think that there needs to become a deeper layer of trust embedded in it and a deeper layer of responsibility on the creators where creators can't just take people's money and run off with it. I think that it it looks like something that we can have a greater level of trust and greater level of purpose for for being behind the scenes of these projects. Absolutely. Solid advice there. Adrian, you've been awesome as usual. Uh, Give our audience the pitch. Tell them what you're all about, where people should go, and why they need to go buy a Lifepack Hustle. Hey, I'm Adrian the Canadian, and we're doing Lifepack. Lifepack is a line of bags designed to benefit your life. Right now, we've just launched Lifepack the Hustle Collection, which is a backpack and a shoulder bag available exclusively on Kickstarter for the time being. These bags are designed with an integrated piece of solar technology. It's a solar power bank that has USB-C, standard USB, and micro-USB that you're able to use to charge it or discharge to power your own devices. The solar panel will charge an iPhone in four hours of sunlight. Uh, This allows you to be a part of igniting a solar revolution, allowing you to have your own piece of solar tech that you can take with you everywhere you go. We all know that solar is the future. We can't manage to have solar panels on all of our roofs because we can't afford to buy a house. Half of us are millennials. So for that reason, we want to empower people to bring their own solar technology with them everywhere they go. Awesome. Well, I know I've ordered mine already. Adrian, thank you for being on the show. Audience, thank you again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for show notes, the transcript, links to the campaign, and everything we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Backer Kit. Adrian, thank you again for being on the show. Thanks so much, Roy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week. 